Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Incomparable, number 620, June 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is the third of three episodes where our book club convenes to read the uh, short list. I was going to say the very best, but it's, uh, everybody gets to judge that. Uh, things on the short list for best novel for the Hugo and Nebula Awards in science fiction and fantasy for 2022. We're going to wrap with three novels that were nominated for the Hugos. Uh, it is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir and Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. Um, mm, these are interesting, very interesting books. Uh, let me introduce my panelists who have taken the journey with me once again, well, mostly, uh, to talk about these books. They are Aline Sims. Hello. Hello. I read all these. Yay. Hooray. It's good. It doesn't always happen. Not everybody reads nope. everything, and it's okay. We don't nope. hate them. Dan Moore and Hyde. Did you read all the books? Uh, two out of three. Okay. Uh, and I feel <laughs> I feel confident talking about these things because I had no books eligible last year. That's good. So, <laughs> all right. Well, finally, you uh, you can recuse. You don't no longer need to recuse yes, yourself. What is indeed. the opposite of recuse? Do you decuse? Do you uncuse? Encuse. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Erica Ensign wins Hugo's all the time. Hi. Hi. Yeah, but not not for writing categories. Not for writing. So. No, mm-hmm. no. Although there are many. Uh, in the, we, if we get to the short fiction at the end, the, uh, the a lot of uncanny in there. A lot of uncanny it's magazine true. in there. And Scott McNulty is here. He's gonna be mostly quiet during this episode, and then occasionally will uh, say something amazing. Uh, no pressure, Scott. Hi. Uh, hello. <laughs> right. That wasn't wow. it. Wow. <laughs> oh my God, my mind is blown. Hello. Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, Scott reads more than the rest of us put together. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'll just edit around Scott so he'll appear that he was here the whole time and said nothing, and he can have his evening Excellent. now. That's that's what we're going for here. All right. Well, uh, we we take the where should we start? Where should we start? How about Project Hail Mary? Because I think sure, it is because I least, finished that most recently. I think it, I think it is the least <laughs> uh, uh, like the other two books. So we will. Mm-hmm. We I, will I finish um, that book about an hour before we recorded. Amazing, Ooh, fresh nice. off the in true press. me fashion. So you finished it about twenty four hours after I did. Oh, very good. Okay, <laughs> maybe even fresh. less. Maybe even less. Fresh. All right. So Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Everybody knows him as the author of The Martian. This is another book in, I would say, the same vein as The Martian, where mm-hmm. there is problem a... solving the book. Yeah, I yeah. mean that that is like, look, okay. 
It's a brand. It is not. This, this is not a. This is not a a literary science fiction novel. It is a nerd novel <laughs> about problem solving, and 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 I yep. think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it is a different kind of book than many other kind of books in terms of like what you get out of it. But Andy Weir very successful with The Martian, which was a nerd problem solving book, and that's what this is. It's like it, it, this is nerd problem solving on an interstellar scale. Uh, as we learn uh, the story of uh, of Ryland, who is out in space, uh, doesn't remember where he was um, <laughs> or who he was, uh, finds that there may be like he's in interstellar space and maybe there's a spaceship nearby. And then throughout the story, the mystery of uh, how we got there is uh is solved through flashbacks and the mystery of that alien ship that and how one might communicate with an alien who you've never met before um because if you've met them before are they an alien yeah they still are uh but anyway <laughs> I, I just see it seemed very deep but it's not uh anyway that is that is project hail mary and uh it, it is a story about um about solving a lot of wacky problems. You're given a problem and then you watch uh, the person or people or person and alien try to put things together <laughs> and figure out what to do. And uh, that's Project Hail Mary. What do people think of this one? I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's good. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to. Um, I never actually read The Martian. I saw the movie and I enjoyed the movie just fine. Not enough to, I think I read the first chapter of the book because I did buy it. And then I was like, eh. I, I got it. It's a I got lot it. like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I read this book and I was like, I love this. But when I said problem solving the book, that was not a put down. That is just a description. <laughs> and I enjoy problem solving in book form. It was it was delightful to just see like, oh, OK, we've we've had like, you know, two pages where nothing has gone wrong. Something else is going to go wrong, <laughs> go wrong. And he's going to have to figure out a solution to this next thing that goes wrong. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what I basically signed up for after the first couple chapters. And that is how it went. And I just, uh, I mean, I feel like the 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 more sciencey the problems, the more realistically they were handled. Uh, the linguistics part, I was like, well, that seemed to be skated over a little bit. Like you oh, really yeah. learned to communicate yeah. real fast. But yeah. other than that, I mean, that... you kind of need to for for plot <laughs> yes. expediency. Otherwise, yep. <laughs> we'd be here all day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They so all need to be solvable ride. problems, right? <laughs> like, otherwise, the book doesn't happen. So they're like, yeah, they, the linguistics True. thing was like, oh, we we can figure this one out. And then there's like a real shorthand of like, and then I understood everything that they said. I'm like, yeah, okay, right. sure. What, yeah. Sure. Okay. Why let's not? just say yes. I mean, universal translators in Star Trek mm -hmm. go for a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. The thing that got me about that was he kept saying how easy language was. Like, once you figure yeah. out the algorithm, it's easy. And I'm like, mm, no. Yeah, just, a, just a word for word. Yeah, this means that and this means that. That probably is exactly how language works for aliens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll add to it, Erica. I enjoyed this a lot. I, I liked The Martian. Um, his Andy Weir's characters are not his strong suit necessarily. No. Um, and a lot of the... If I have a nit to pick with this book, it's that a lot of his extra, like secondary Karen characters are very stereotypy. Yeah. Um, Stock characters yes, from Central Very literally like, like we need a Russian. Yep. <laughs> Here. Can I have a vodka? gruff general? They're kind of gruff. Yeah, like I don't and you know, uh, sometimes more problematic, verging towards the more problematic than others. That said, 
I think the central relationship between uh, Rylan and his uh, alien counterpart in this book is actually kind of great. I mean, mm-hmm. I there is stuff that happened. I you know. Uh, Hard not to read this and think this is going to be a movie, right? I mean, after the success of The Martian, right? You're reading yep. it thinking like, I can kind of picture how this plays out. And there is some touching stuff like towards the end where I felt myself like, oh man, this is going to be a movie people cry at at the, <laughs> at the end because there's some great stuff in there. Um, I, I Again, as you said in the lead in, it's not the most literary fiction. It's yeah. not the best written, but you know what? It gets the, uh, it, you know. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It just sort of gets you from point A to point B. I do find myself sometimes glossing over some of the science stuff when it gets like above what I understand to be like, Same. yeah, sure, I'll take your word for that. Right, because he's doing science Part of the, the problem-solving <laughs> novel mm-hmm. genre is to show your work. And yes. so yep. the work is shown. Right. No, and yeah. I, I mean, is it is it all accurate? Beats me. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, no idea. it seems accurate. <laughs> what what I, I think what I would say, because again, I know that Erica didn't mean it negatively. I guess my my point in describing it the way I did too is that it is for some people, this is like exactly their kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. they love the idea of watching a character solve all sorts of problems. And for other people, I would say this book is going to be exactly not their kind of thing. Because the characters, as Dan said, not that great. Like, a lot of, a lot of stock characters. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of there to advance the plot along. It's really about the plot. Um, but in its pro- problem construction and putting its ca- main character in such wild circumstances... It is compelling. It's just that I, I know yeah. it's not for everyone, but the the opposite side of that is that it is also for a lot of people who might not want to read, uh, you know, the Desolation Called Peace or something like mm-hmm. that, right? It's, it's yeah. a very different yep. kind of book. And I often talk about how I am really excited by characters that I can and grow to love, but that's clearly not the only kind of book I like. I think because I loved this one and mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't have that. I think if Andy Weir had tried to make characters that were as well developed as in some of the other books that we have read, uh, probably he would have failed and I wouldn't have liked this book very much. But mm-hmm. just no, like honestly s- skimming the surface <laughs> I mean, uh, totally worked yeah. in this Ni- in this 90 percent of the me. time you spend with basically one character in yep. their head and that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And they're not a perfect person either, which I liked. Well, and he, I think the thing is he has a really compelling conversational writing style that makes yeah. it yeah. easy to read. And after some of the other books that we read for Hugo and Nebula um, nominees, like it's nice to have an easy read because yes. some of these are really like heavy and hard, you know, not bad. They're really good books. It's just they're really heavy books. Mm-hmm. The thing about him not being so great at writing characters is that all of his leads are Mary Sue's and I find it really annoying. I, it just, it really grates me. So I spent the first third of this book just being mad about the main (laughs) character because he is such a Mary Sue. And it's just like, I don't like you. And then (laughs) Aline, you can't solve problems if you're not good at everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, and then, and then you add in, like you add in the fact that he is such, like, he's such a know-it-all. Of course, a high school science teacher knows everything about everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, or middle school. Middle school science middle teacher, school, yeah. I think. Well, you got a lot of um, spare brain cells, I guess. After, you got a lot. Of, and and kids teaching. ask questions so clearly. but um, He was in academia first. Don't I, forget. True. But, mm, um, but that paired with... He knows a lot with, of things that are beyond... 
yeah the academic specialty yeah. which he had yeah um paired with the lackluster secondary characters had me kind of eh, but i cried at the end like forget the movie adaptation mm-hmm. i i did legitimately i just <laughs> granted i'm in a bit of a fragile state right now but it's just like listening to this audiobook audiobook I always have to do my audiobook review. Oh, yes. Awesome narrator. So oh, such a good narrator. Um, but like I'm just like wandering the house doing chores, just like gently sobbing to myself. Mm. It was really good. <laughs> I teared um, up at that last part too, yeah. Yeah, it was it was excellent. I really and I was I was not sure about this book going in because I heard about how procedural it was. Um and you know i how problem solving it was and that's not always my cup of tea but it was good and i like i said i think it's solved by the fact or solved saved by the fact that he's just he is a good conversational kind of potato chippy popcorny writer and it's just it it goes down pretty easily now mm-hmm. it's time for scott mcnulty <laughs> to tell us what he thinks what's scott uh, it's going to be well, amazing I did not cry <laughs> while reading this book, uh, which is good. I also, I was not looking forward to reading this book uh, because I liked The Martian fine. I thought the, the movie was better. Uh, and uh, Andy Weir's prose style, not that great. Uh, but I think that this book has shown that he's been working on writing mm. books. Uh, and, you know, he, he's, you know bathing in millions of dollars as we're talking about this so he doesn't need my criticism he doesn't care about that but uh i think that rylan the character he did a great job of subverting his own problematic characters by you know giving us this character who thinks he is a hero finds out that maybe he isn't Mm -hmm. and then it turns out that he is. Uh, and so that journey I found fascinating. Uh, and of course, I mean, the thing that Andy Weir is good at is these constructing these ridiculous problems that his super intelligent character with the help of his alien sidekick solves. So uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Now the subversion uh, point is, is really a good one that this is the character doesn't know why he's on an interstellar spaceship and you assume it's because he's the hero and you get to the point in the, the, the conceit of the flashbacks is that he's slowly building, rebuilding his memory and he gets the point uh, in, in forward chronological order from the beginning, by the way, that's very convenient. Anyway, he gets, he finally gets to the point where he realizes, Oh no, I refuse to go. And then they drugged me and put me on the spaceship and shot yep. me into space. And it's like, not, not so heroic after all. It is a nice bit of undercutting. Shot if, me into space. If, if I had a, uh, overall criticism of this book it is the flashback structure i don't like it i I get that it's clever that you are it is slowly going to reveal things about why this guy is there and who he is as a character but i kind of feel like it just slows everything down and i don't i don't know you know maybe 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 not but it struck me that i might have preferred this book to be told in a linear story instead of have the first half of it be interspersed as flashbacks because I'm not sure it actually makes the story stronger. Although to Scott's point, it does help undercut your hero by uh, Mm -hmm. revealing that your hero is not so heroic, but like, I just, I I felt like there was so much flashback that I, that it, it, it it almost got in my way. 
I understand exactly why he did it because otherwise you are entirely you have no respite essentially from the character who is basically stuck on his own a lot of the time and that's that's tougher so I can understand why that's there and it is sort of you know it throws you right into the action right and I mm-hmm. think there's in some I would argue it might be a harder sell, you know, like Aline was saying, if you started out with all the sort of the characters who aren't the most fleshed out and you had mm. to take the time to mm. get to like this part, I feel like there is something to dropping you right into the moment and having to problem solve right away. Like that's that's the tone of the book. That's what they're going for. So I, I, I do agree with you that at the times it was distracting, but I can also understand why given the options he decided to go this way. I think it, it just in the end, it probably probably works better interspersing them rather than having a big chunk up front where it's like, I don't know. I don't really care about any of these people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also think that um, by interspersing it, otherwise you've got this, this chunk kind of in the middle where it's like, Yep, sitting in the lab waiting for those results. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, stuff. yeah I yeah. don't know if it would have been a stronger book or not. I know I would. I think I would have liked it a lot less had it been told linearly. Right. I think because for me, the I think the conceit really worked uh, on me as a, as a reader. In part because I am such a sucker for books that start with a character who has no idea what's going on. I have always just been <laughs> uh, a sucker for that trope. Um, back from like the first Roger Zelazny Amber book to what was it like Six Wakes that we read a couple of years right. ago. Like any of those kinds of things, I just I love the the, the excitement mm-hmm. of like yes of like just the the discovery along with the character so so that that really did work for me and then as as Dan pointed out like and and Aline both pointed out like I don't know that I could have handled that much of the earth stuff oh. all put together simply because yeah they those the, the characters are yeah very true all right <laughs> one one other nitpick there's a lot of earth um <laughs> earth stuff. why why did the alien have to be a he that I did roll my yeah. eyes at that, <laughs> but I kind of thought there was going to be a revelation at some point that they weren't. But but yeah, I guess at, didn't go honestly, that way. at the same time, based on like, I enjoyed the problem solvingness, and I enjoyed the like you said the the conversational nature of the the writing and the character and the way that the character sort of talks to himself. Um, but I didn't think he was a particularly like he's not a guy that I would want to hang out with in real no. life like oh, at no. all. And oh, no. I, I felt like him immediately jumping to yeah. I'm going to call this alien Rocky and he's a key like that totally fit with this yeah, character. I agree with you. It fits with that character 100%. Like, I don't know. There's that one. Uh, there's a, f- a scene that I think is kind of unintentionally funny where they discuss naming a planet and he, the main character is like, no, 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 you alien, you get to name it. And it's like, I'm going to name it after my mate, a name that you can't pronounce. And so the guy ends up naming it anyway. So yeah. it's kind of like, a <laughs> wait a second. I don't think you meant to do that. Uh, it does end in a surprising place, I thought. With the, uh, yes. The, the, yeah. the, the main character, I'll cover your ears if Loved you don't want to know this, but the main character ends up kind of like, you know, it's not quite a zoo, but kind of a zoo on an alien planet. And I thought that was like hilarious and weird. And I, I enjoyed I enjoyed how it ended. It was. Uh, yeah, except I don't think he thought of it that way at all. I think he thought of it like the other way around, <laughs> which also kind of unintentionally mm, sort of made me laugh. with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Project Hail Mary. There it is. We check that one off the list. 
Let me take a brief break to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn believes that B2B marketing can be too brilliant, be too bold, and be too breakthrough. Are you getting it yet? With a platform that is purpose-built to make B2B mean more for your business and with tools to help you build better relationships with your key customers and to boost your buyer journey while building your brand. It's a lot of Bs. B2B. A platform with the trusted data and lead generation you need to beat KPIs, drive ROI, and stand out amongst the competition. And with the targeting tools on LinkedIn, you can reach your precise audience right down to their job title, company name, location, and more to make sure your ads are always seen by those who matter. So get ready to be to boldly go where no marketers have gone before because LinkedIn is where B2B is everything it can be. Rethink your B2B marketing, LinkedIn ads, and get a $100 credit on your next campaign by going to linkedin.com slash Snell to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash S-N-E-L-L. Terms and conditions apply. I used LinkedIn for uh, my 20 Max for 2020 project because I wanted to get in touch with a whole bunch of people who were only on LinkedIn, who had knowledge of Apple history. And it was the best money I ever spent because I reached people who otherwise I could never have talked to. Um, everybody's got their reasons for using it. If you're a B2B marketer, check it out. LinkedIn.com slash Snell. Thank you to LinkedIn for supporting the incomparable. And now we move on to let's do light from uncommon stars. What can I tell you about this book? It is a book that is it contains multitudes it, i loved it so much it, it, it is <laughs> it is a book about aliens visiting california and they're hiding out from a rebellion on their you know on their their stellar empire and they are uh disguised as people and they're they run a donut shop and they're building a, a special thing in the giant donut that will allow the earth to survive a uh something or other gamma ray burst or something no it'll it's, let people it'll let people come and visit come, to come and watch visit them the, uh... and they're they're hiding behind the sun during the gamma ray burst mm -hmm. and it's a whole anyway it's a very kind of like big space opera y kind of idea also, this book is about <laughs> a violin prodigy turned violin instructor who has instructed many, many great uh, prodigies. Uh, but the secret that she has is that she sold her soul to the devil and now is trying to sell the souls of her pro prodigy uh, uh, students so that she can reclaim her own soul. Um, yes, this is the book at the confluence of space aliens and literally the devil. L literally. <laughs> no, I'm not, the, the devil is not revealed to be a space alien, friends. It's the devil. Although it turns out the devil's uh, reach, de devil uh, like territory. Very is limited. Only yeah. the yeah. earth. Only the earth. Mm -hmm. Who knew? So, uh, so that's all going on. So in terms of genre mashups, it is a super wild one. And then there's a whole other bunch of things going on. The 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 woman who sold her soul falls in love with the woman who is the matriarch of the donut people who are actually aliens. Um, her final soul that she's going to be able to sell, instead of going to the obvious candidate that is out there, she finds a homeless transgender, uh, basically a runaway transgender woman who... Um, it, who, who really, I, I think one of the most effective things in the book is bears the scars of mm -hmm. a very difficult 
childhood, uh, very difficult life getting to the point where she is. Um, and so that's all kind of swirling around. And the questions are, will the devil come and take her soul or the soul of her teacher? And what about the space aliens? Are they going to be found out by the uh, the rest of their people? Are they going to be able to, are they going to get sold out by one of their people? What, what, what about that donut? What's wrong with the donuts in the donut <laughs> also, shop? There's an artificial intelligence, hard light uh, right? hologram person who is sort of the daughter of the donut lady, but yes. also maybe not exactly, but really she is. Right. And there's questions about her sentience and, yes. and she really is. And, and, uh, and, and so if you, if you're listening to this thinking that perhaps there's been a technical mix up and we've smushed <laughs> two books together into one book, friends, no, this is light mm-hmm. from uncommon stars. It is a wild ride. Uh, there are things about it that I don't like stylistically. So I'll, I'll just get them out there. There are perspective shifts that happen in the middle of chapters all the time. It is actually super frustrating as a reader. I did not like it to have these sort of uh, gaps. And then like, like in, in scenes where it's like, Oh no, now we're going to listen to this perspective character. And now like I was frustrated by it. Um, I, 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 so I don't love this book, but you know what I love about it is how bananas it is i mean i just love it is it is all of these things at once and doesn't care it doesn't care it's going to do trans representation it's going to talk about the uh the relationship between the two women one of whom is an alien donut lady and one of whom is sold or sold to the devil uh there is the evil guy who's the devil's representative who pops in and out there's the uh the the violin player who's convinced that she's going to get her chance to sell her soul basically like there's just so much and it doesn't ever feel to me at least overwhelming it it's more like i i just kept getting sort of surprised like really okay and then you just kind of go with it so anyway i i i liked it a lot um although i do have some criticisms about about uh, the, like the perspective shift especially kind of frustrated me but like i have never read a book like this at all and i think it's sweet it's hearts in the right place it's not so- like something like um space opera which was wild in its own way but was also sort of stylistically wild this is not as stylistically wild but it is just wild in everything that gets stuffed into one book it's one book folks it's not even that long and it has all these things in it what did everybody else think I don't feel it shouldn't work, but it did. Uh huh. That's about right. It, it's like it, a it magic just, trick. Yeah, it, it has no right nope. to work as well <laughs> as it does. And so I will say, as uh, an audiobook reader, the the perspective changes were were fine. Um, the audiobook narrator is good, so it's a bit of a bummer to hear that they weren't um, visually handled super well because i didn't notice that at all okay (laughs) (laughs) because yeah like in audio format it was it was really really great um narrator was another fantastic fantastic narrator um i just i loved i loved it i do want to call out that they're like there's transphobia there's some like description of the abuse that that the transgender character goes through. No, so it's, it's, it's kind of harrowing. I, I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it because I feel like it is a, a realistic, it's not a sugar-coated story yeah, of, of how, doesn't pull punches. how she dealt with abuse and her family disowning her and what she did to survive. And like, it's rough stuff and yeah. it doesn't flinch from it. 
Yeah. And there were points where I had to stop reading, you know, and take a step back from it to just kind of. Oh, and um, and shake um, and also uh, like portrayals of um i don't know like the whole it's the whole experience and it's difficult like it is i i think in a good way it's it's because it's trying to have a a real portrayal of um how difficult it can be for somebody who comes out as trans um and so i i appreciated that about it but it's tough yeah yeah and and for people listening like it the the author is a transgender author so it's written you know it's not an exploitive perspective hmm. no on no. it but like and a good it, i would say good good view a good explanation of sort of some of the ways that dysphoria feels too that i thought was interesting mm-hmm. so there's a lot a lot of good that that is again one aspect of the many but i but yeah it's it's it was uh i think impressively handled but it is tough it, it uh, thank you for the content warning it 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 is deserved yeah yeah but i i just it was it was so I don't know. It was just I touched. I don't. Eh, it's sweet. I just thought it was beautiful. It was it's sweet. sweet for for a for again for a book about donut aliens from another uh, uh, space empire and uh, the people selling their souls to the devil. Uh, it's just kind of sweet. And there's a lot of scenes where people are just in the park with donuts and having conversations and like i mean again it's so much of it is just like normal southern california i guess maybe that's one of the aspects to this story too is like you know you're sitting in a park in southern california and you think who are all these weird people around me are they aliens secretly and the answer is maybe (laughs) maybe maybe. (laughs) one of the things i really like about it too that i want to call out quickly because i haven't been specific yet is that um a plot device that i really hate in any kind of storytelling is um, kind of like intentional misunderstandings, like where where the author's just like, I don't know how to create conflict here. So they're just not going to under they're just not mm. going to listen to each other. And one of the things I really liked about this is that there were a lot of places I feel like the author could have used that as like a point of conflict could have been, we're just not going to listen to each other and we're going to be mad at each other. But instead, what I thought the author did really well is that um there are some good conversations like there's there's some some chance for conflict but instead it's just okay well let's 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 talk about that and figure out what what the root of that problem is and i don't know i just i don't feel like we get a lot of that in uh in storytelling mm. we don't get a lot of that modeled to us it's something that i'm still trying to figure out in um my my rapidly graying years so i like seeing that in in books and in 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 the stories that i consume just like hey here's a misunderstanding and let's 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 get to the root of that i don't know i don't feel like that's necessarily a selling point for the book but it is something that happens in here that i really loved no i agree i like the way people relate to each other people aliens demons whatever Uh, i like i like the way the characters relate to each other in this book it feels the most realistic i think of the the three that we're talking about today just in terms of like these are people these are people that i can absolutely picture running into on the street and you know having an awkward conversation with or ordering a donut from or i don't know it just it felt even though this is the one with the alien donut shop and the you know selling your soul to the devil it felt the the most realistic literally the one the only one ever written uh, it's it, it you know i 
I found myself almost wanting to describe it as like a a, a tight a, a tightrope act, like walking the high wire. But it's not because one of the exciting things about walking a high wire is you're like, oh my god, are they going to fall? Are they going to fall? Are they going to fall? And I really didn't have that feeling throughout this book. I was just enjoying seeing where it went from place to place. And you know, there were a few moments where I would like put the book down and you know it's time for bed, and then I would think about it and be like, wait, all of that is actually happening in the same book. It's got to fall apart somewhere. But as I was reading, I never had that feeling of like the tension while I was reading was, oh, gosh, you know, how are these two crazy kids going to get together? Or how is, you know, how is this this girl going to make her decision about whether or not she wants to sell her soul to the devil um, to help her her teacher out or, you know, to to get the life that she that she has always wanted. And that was where the tension came from. It wasn't from some sort of balancing act, me, you know, looking at it from looking at it askance being like, are you actually going to pull this off? And I really felt like it did pull it off. It it, it did land in a way that I found uh, su- maybe not surprisingly satisfying, but I found it satisfying. And, you know, l- l- st- taking a step back and thinking about all of the things that were being balanced here, then, OK, maybe it is a little bit of a surprise, but it didn't feel like a surprise once I got to the end because it all felt like a natural outgrowth of all of the stuff that had happened earlier in the book. And like I said uh, before, I didn't actually notice the perspective shift. <laughs> you mentioned that, Jason. I'm like, did that happen? I, but I, this is the one that I've read the longest ago, so I may have just forgotten about that. But uh, I also just remembered I have donuts in the fridge, so I'm really excited oh, right man. now. <laughs> I hope baked, not replicated, though. Because, yeah, no, uh, replicated donuts yeah. no, no good. So good. You, you got to make them with love. You can't just duplicate the mm-hmm. ones that were exactly. there yesterday. It's- it's the yep. secret ingredient, love. Uh, so as I've been listening to the conversation, I've been thinking about this parallel that I'm going to draw that I makes sense to me, but maybe not to anybody else. So as uh, I uh, was reading this book, I didn't think of this, but uh, it reminds me very much of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Douglas Adams, who, in a very different way, though. So Douglas Adams, of course, is, is throwing everything in for jokes right uh and very effective uh but i think the the common thing between these two books is extraordinary characters in mundane circumstances and so that makes it interesting because these are aliens who are running a donut shop (laughs) this is this is a person who sold their soul to the devil who is a violin teacher <laughs> uh, and they are just interacting as normal people. And that's what kind of the, the brilliant thing about uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, you know, Arthur Dent is encountering all these weird things and it's just like, no, we need to destroy the earth to build this highway. I mean, it's not a big deal. Get out of the way. Right. And so that to me, that, that kind of harmonizing between these two books in my mind makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, uh, it was, um, I think a higher level of difficulty than uh, if you were just going for straight comedic writing, um, because this is, there's a lot of heart as people have already said, and it's kind of, it's very touching and there are, you know, the characters feel real and you don't really get a sense that they're like in a sitcom. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with sitcoms, uh, but it's just not what this book is doing. Uh, And so I liked it a lot. Uh, I also don't remember the perspective shifts, but I have read it. I read it months ago. So we're lucky I remember donuts from this book. Yeah. (laughs) 
You know, Scott, you mentioned harmonizing, and that reminded me of another bit of this book um, that was it was actually kind of like the the real sciency bits of Project Hail Mary. The real musicy bits of this book, I kind of like started to skim just a little bit because it's it's very clear uh, that well, either the author really knows her music or is really good at faking it because there was a lot of, uh, I don't know, it just, it came across as very passionate feeling for the, 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 the pieces that were being played on the violin and descriptions of of the, oh, right. the violin and the bow and everything uh, themselves and like why this particular piece is such a great piece for this character to play and the way that she does you know whatever vibrato that sort of thing um, is is really good because blah 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 um, it it felt very real and I I appreciated it from like an artistic standpoint but I don't have that kind of passion or knowledge uh, about music any more than I do about science. So those are the those are the bits that I sort of read the fastest, but I still appreciated that they were in there. Yeah, and the um the we we didn't even mention there's a the whole sort of sub uh story about the woman who make who is the sort of the heir to the famous violin technician empire. Um, but it's all men and so she thinks mm. she can't do it and and like that whole story is going on at the same time as all the rest of this also stuff. good and, yeah and it's and it's and it's uh it's nice and it's sweet sweet like donuts um <laughs> in in lots of interesting ways so it's a weird it's a weird book but again i think it carries it off and i think that that's the that's the beauty of it is that in some ways it gets so weird that that even the characters are sort of like i guess we're just all in this book together <laughs> right mm-hmm. like so we'll we'll, we'll, say- we'll find a way to make it work <laughs> I did. I, I the one sort of nitpick that I had at the end, which I ended up sort of talking myself out of, but that w- I was disappointed by at, at the end is that um, because there's there's so many different things going on, you get like a sort of a a closing chapter of the falling action of like this is what's happening with these characters and this is what's happening with the the violin making lady and this is like all that and we didn't really get one that to me was an emotionally satisfying conclusion for the the trans young woman. I. I felt like I I wanted something a little bit more uh, from that story. And then I stopped and I thought about it for a while and I sort of chewed it over and I was like, "Mm, actually, that's the one that I think probably shouldn't have had that same sort of like happily ever after landing because she's the youngest of all of them. Mm -hmm. And she is going to be going on to do kind of, you know, whatever she chooses. And it sounds like that what she chooses is not necessarily like what I would think of as a completely happily ever after ending. Um, Like just, you know, at the the end of the book, yes, uh, she has, has made some choices, but like some of those choices include continuing sex work. So I just I was just like, you know what? Good for you, girl. <laughs> like, yeah. do do your thing, and and I don't I don't need the the sort of cutesy happily ever after because I don't think tonally it would have necessarily fit as well with that piece of the story, considering what like what she had to go through to get there mm-hmm. and to make it seem realistic and actually lived in in the same way. If that makes sense, I'll share one of my favorite little humorous bits in here, which is so the. Aliens, in order to disguise themselves, are they disguise themselves as a Vietnamese family who takes over this donut shop. And one of the things I believe it's a Vietnamese uh, family. And and one of the things they do is um, they speak English, but they also speak, I believe it's Vietnamese. Um, 
But what's funny about it is they don't refer to it as that. They refer to it as donut. Like, I'm speaking donut now. And it's like, <laughs> it's just this little bit, but it's very much like the Coneheads, we are from France. It's like, oh, aliens, you think you know, but you don't know. It's it's just, they're goofy. Also, they're their goofy last name, aliens. Their last name is Tran. So they are the trans. Uh-huh. And the other story is the, the story of this trans, trans girl. And I was just girl. like, is that, yep. like, I kept, like, my head just kind of kept bouncing it's, back and forth off it, of that. It's right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's. Yep. 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 Okay. Light from Uncommon Stars. There it mm-hmm. is. If you, if anything we've said makes you want to read that book, then go to it because it's not like any other book I've ever read. And uh, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, she Who Became the Sun is our third book here. This is Shelley Parker Chan. Uh, this is a historical. Uh, it's set in the 14th century. It is a story of the rise of a. Okay, let me. It's the the rise of a monk who is <laughs> secretly um, uh, a girl and then a woman and not a man. She uh, uh, her family is dying. She assume in a in a famine. She assumes the identity of her brother who was fated to do great things. Um, and, and came to, you know, he came to nothing and she's like, well, that's how I will not come to nothing is by, I will be him. And then I will do the great things. And so she poses as him. She becomes a, a monk. She then, um, the, the monastery gets shut down. She becomes a, like a general basically. Um, and then as the story goes, she has this kind of interaction with a, uh, another general on the opposite side of this sort of civil war in China. That is a, uh, a eunuch, um, and so the eunuch is always portrayed as feminine and beautiful, but identifies as a he. Um, and then this is a woman who is who is identifying as a he. Um, and and then she takes a wife. Uh, there's a lot of that going on in terms of these two characters. And meanwhile, there are many battles and machinations politically that are going on in terms of the rebel forces and the uh the dynasty that's currently controlling things in this part of china and um uh and now i haven't said anything about something that that would get us nominated for a, a fantasy and science fiction award so i should say um the uh the rebels have a child who is a reincarnation of a previous person who makes a glow from their hands that indicates that they have the the um the mandate not, of heaven the mandate yeah. of heaven and that that is the that is the 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 sign but of course it turns out that our main character also has uh, a similar kind of uh, thing going on 
As do two other people. As do two other characters. So there's a lot of magic or glowy light <laughs> going on. So what does it all mean? She also sees ghosts. There's ghosts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's oh, ghosts. oh, yes. Uh, that's the other thing. Yeah. Zhu, Zhu Chongba has uh, the ability to see ghosts and thinks that only she can see ghosts on the, until she meets the the boy who has been sort of touched and is the is the the has the mandate of heaven. And he's like, hey, uh, what the did ghost, you do? Why yeah, did the, you the piss ghost, those ghosts off? What do you do off? with the ghosts? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, what? You mean it's not just me? I'm like, no, it's not. Um, and, and so that's that's it's. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in she who became the sun. Uh, what do people think of this one? You know, I I've said often that alternate history is is not really my jam, but I do think that alternate history is more my jam the less I know about that history, <laughs> and I I'm not particularly familiar with uh, ancient China and the founding of the Ming Dynasty, like that stuff that is a complete blank space in my uh, in my education. So I think I had more patience for this as as alternate history simply because it was all. Um, just sort of new to me. Um, One thing that I really liked at the beginning of this book is like sometimes after the first chapter, sometimes even after just the first paragraph of a book, like you kind of have a good idea of what this book is and where it's going and what it's going to happen. Like here's the big bad. Here's the person who's the chosen one. They're going to, you know, I I mean, I sort of got the chosen one idea uh, from the beginning of this. But other than that, I had absolutely no idea what was what was going to happen in this book based on that first chapter. I didn't actually, I, I didn't read anything about this to start with. So I didn't realize that it was alternate history until I was a little ways in and was getting actual like names of you know places. Um, I'm not even sure so, I would call it alternate history as much as it is sort of like a rewriting of a historical event. <laughs> Yes, right. which I mean, for, as far as I'm concerned, same thing, <laughs> like in terms of the things that I, I prefer to read versus prefer not to read. Um, but I, I was very excited at the beginning, just not knowing uh, where it was going. And I didn't actually have any strong feelings about the main character at the beginning. I was like, I don't know if I like this person. I don't know if I dislike this person. And that actually never changed. I never grew to a point yeah. where I was like, I care about this person or I don't. I cared about I cared about her wife. I actually ended up really yeah. liking that character. Um, but I was I was interested enough in just sort of like watching what she did and sort of following along. I feel like this is if you're the kind of reader who just likes to sink into somebody else's life and be carried gently along for the ride for quite a long time. Long this is a book time. for you. Um, I felt I felt like for me it was there ended up just being too much of it, uh, and you know battles and military machinations and politics and stuff is is something that I prefer in I think smaller doses than this. So this wasn't my favorite of all of the books, but there are a lot of bits and pieces of it that I can point at that I that I liked. I liked the 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 fact that, you know, her gender identity, she, clearly she is she is a woman, but she's forced to live as a man because of the way that the world yes. is. And then she mm-hmm. meets uh, Ma, the woman who then becomes later becomes her wife, who has been living this life uh, in complete subservience to the man that she's going to marry and doesn't even have a concept that there could be anything else in the world for her until our main character comes along, Zhu Chongba, and like kind of points that out. And then she's ticked off. She's like, why would you even <laughs> make that a, an idea in my head that I could have more than, than what is here for me? And then she's really mad. And then, you know, sort of becomes the conscience of this main character that I still don't have any feelings for by that point in the book. And then on the other side, you have this really intense friendship 
almost romance between the uh, the eunuch uh, general and the prince, who is his best friend, but also was his owner since he's sort of a, a slave and his family has been killed up to nine generations. Uh, yeah. And so there's there's a lot of emotional interaction going on that I wanted to be a little bit more invested in than I was, but I was just enough invested in it that I was able to just kind of continue through to the end of the book and be like, all right, that was a thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I really liked about this, and I agree with Erica's point a lot that the, you don't, it's not as cut and dried as you might take from a similar story, especially probably one told in more of a Western historical context. Um, but one thing I really enjoyed about it was the subversion to an extent of the chosen one trope, because the <laughs> whole point that, that Zhu has going is that she is choosing her destiny, right? She, there's this <laughs> ongoing theme that, you know, she has essentially assumed the identity of her brother who was destined for greatness. And she's trying to escape the notice of, you know, the gods, the powers that be, what have you, uh, who would notice, oh, wait, no, you were the the girl who was destined to die. And I enjoyed that aspect of like, look, I'm just going to get through this by sheer will. Like, I'm going to just force myself to become this person and see if I can basically pull a fast one. And I really like that. I liked a lot of the early on. I thought there was almost a moment where it felt like this reminded me briefly of the 16 ways to defend a walled city where there's the engagement where the large battle and the bridge sweeps away like a whole 10,000 oh, members yeah. of the other army, like kind of by accident. Uh -huh. And I was like, Oh, maybe this is what this book is going <laughs> like, Oh, I just keep <laughs> happening to win battles through these clever things. And there's some other like clever ruses and stratagems and stuff that go on throughout, which I also enjoyed. Um, I, I liked the main character, even though they are a little bit of a cipher at times. And I agree that some of the side characters are better drawn. I really loved uh, Shu Da, who is her monk brother, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he was great and just sort of like he's you know one of the only other people who knows her secret. And he's kind of a, a little more roguish, like he becomes a bandit at some point <laughs> before they meet up again. And I, he's also I liked quite a lot the ladies' man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just thought he, he was a he was a interesting character. Um and I agree that perhaps some parts of it are a bit long, but I enjoyed it uh quite a bit. And I think there's a lot of again stuff that follows this kind of template in Western fantasy slash historical fiction with a fantastic aspect. And I felt like it was refreshing to read something that did not mm -hmm rehash those same old tropes i mean even something like game of thrones right which is basically the, the, war of the which i did Rose, not make it war, through <laughs> war of the roses right i mean it's basically a retelling of some of the you know wars in europe um you can i just i thought it was a, an interesting and different take on it and i really appreciated mm -hmm. that aspect of it even if it did get a little bogged down at times Dan, actually, you reminded me of one of the things that I think in the end ended up annoying me about the book. Mm. And that was the just the, the whole thing that it, if I just want it bad enough, then I can have it and I can have the mandate of heaven. And like just the, the I think that was what in the end made me decide that I never really 
came on board entirely with this character because just the, I, I like I, that a lot. It, it, I mean, it, I feel like it worked in the book, but just me as a as a I, the idea that if I want something bad enough, I should get it. Like the whole you know uh, American bootstrap sort of theory. Like as mm. I maybe it just came across my Twitter feed one too many times while I was in the process of reading this sure. book. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that sort of rubbed me the wrong way. But I did I do think it worked for this character in in this book. But I think that that's also the reason why I could never fully be on board with this character. And it was it was some of the other characters that were actually the ones that uh, that just sort of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit more. I, just, I liked the action of choosing instead of being chosen. To me, that felt that's, that's ref- yeah, that felt different. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing with her too is that she doesn't know who she is. Right? She's just this bundle of reactionary ambition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like that is her that is the sum total of her personality is whatever it takes to get the thing i want and like sorry people that's not a personality that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like a diagnosable condition yeah. like <laughs> that's a thing yeah um, well yes <laughs> um so and like that's the and i don't mean that as a judgment necessarily it's just i think that it's hard to knowing erica and knowing myself it's hard to kind of bond with a character Mm -hmm. who doesn't really have a personality Mm -hmm. uh a defined personality you know because uh i'm i i like characters i like character moments i like I like having, I like getting to know people, and that is hard to do with this character. In a totally different way from in Project Hail Mary, but it's kind of the same thing in a way. <laughs> like they're they are their actions, uh, in and not somebody that I would ever ever want to hang out with. I mean, I'm either. not sure you're supposed to want to either. I mean, I think there's a strong argument a that very this protagonist person. is the villain, yeah. right? Like, yeah. potentially at the end. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, and, and to to your point, mm-hmm. Alina, about not even knowing who she is, she doesn't even have a name, right? She has the name mm-hmm. she assumes. We never learned that she even had a name prior to that. Like, she has mm-hmm. essentially no other identity. So right. I, I think that's, which is, again, kind of a fascinating way to view this. And I'm sure you know, in a historical context as well, like she's kind of not considered even worth having a name when she is, you know, before she sort of takes up that mantle. Time mm-hmm. to check in with Scott McNulty. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm still here. Hello, everybody. Hi, uh, Scott. Uh, Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you. Uh, so I also drew a parallel to KJ Parker uh, as I was reading this. And one of the things that I like about his work and and stories like this is someone who is so angered by the world that they decide single-mindedly that they are going to change it and they succeed uh, against every single obstacle single-mindedly casting aside every other person who may or may not help them Uh, they have a goal and they get it they may not be the nicest people in the world but those are the kinds of people that actually change the world um i am not one of these people uh if i was i would not be on a podcast at the moment i would be off i don't know <laughs> what i would be doing but exactly um but i am fascinated by characters like that and and i am fascinated by this kind of the circumstances at the beginning of this where it is clear that 
her father would happily sacrifice her to save her brother. Right. Uh, and then she decides, well, I'm just going to take my brother's fate and trick the universe into thinking that I'm the one that should be, uh, you know, the, the, uh, or get whatever great, I, she doesn't even know what this goal is, but she knows that it's greatness. Uh, and we know she's, she's going to be the son, i.e. the emperor of China, which is, you know, a pretty big step up from someone who was uh, starving to death in a drought-soaked field and then burying their father and brother. Yeah. Uh, so I I th- loved it unabashedly. I wanted more of it. I also <laughs> like reading long explanations of battlefield setup and how uh, mm-hmm. political machinations around how forces end up in different places. Uh, and so these two things combined, plus a dash of seeing ghosts, uh, made it super interesting to me. So that dash, I just want to, I, I, I want to say this. Um, we debate here sometimes, like, what is science fiction? What is fantasy? And does this book, like, and, and the book, the the label doesn't matter for the book. You like the book or you don't like the book. But I will say, as somebody who read this book because it was nominated for an award for best science fiction and fantasy, I found this to be about the most scant science fiction and fantasy content in a nominated novel in as long as I can remember anyway because this is a straight up historical the ghosts Amberlow. the ghosts Am- Amberlow, oh, they had they had magic didn't they didn't they do magic i think it was just all history wasn't it oh maybe that's right it's just a, a made-up country that's right that's a good example yep. and i complained about that then in that episode yes, people can look it up <laughs> second, yes, second world did. fantasy so so here it is here it is i was frustrated because it was not what I expected in the sense that this was nominated for a, a fantasy and science fiction award. And it really is historical fiction. The ghost seeing the ghost is, is, is just sort of trappings. There are a couple of moments where things happen, but it, it doesn't really impact the, the arc of the, of the plot anyway, even though it might have some impact on the characters. And then the other big thing is the glowy lights and the mandate of heaven. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it felt to me like that, that was speculative only in the sense of sort of like, what if the people who believed in a particular, religion were right it's like okay mm-hmm. so there is a glowy reincarnation. it's like what if the dalai lama yeah, apologies in, in to end. fans of the dalai lama but like what if the dalai lama really did remember all of his past lives which uh okay i, I don't believe that he does but let's say that in this book it's like no literally the the kid who meets an untimely end is a reincarnation and has the glowy hands and all of that but i guess what i'm saying is if if you don't read this book thinking I'm going to dig into a big sumptuous fantasy history because it's it's not really about the fantasy. It is about mm-hmm. the characters and the machinations and the politics and the lining up of the armies and the taking of cities. And and that's what it's about. Yeah, I actually ended up being surprised that I mean, I think you had said something about it not being super fantastical. So I wasn't expecting that to play a huge role. But the 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 first scene where we actually see the 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 kid glowing red and like this red light is blessing all of the the soldiers and, and senators and stuff uh, in front of him, and I was like, okay, this is this is a thing. This is going to be a thing. And then later, that character meets an untimely end. So like, it didn't even actually matter in any way, except right. for it's the thing that brought all of the uh, the the red turban army together. Right. To to be clear, to, our main character yeah. kills the kid. <laughs> 
just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk about that character. And then when we found out that, that, yeah, that there are other characters that can do that, I was like, oh, okay. So it's more like a battle between different colors of lightsabers, but then that never really happened either. (laughs) But nothing. nothing Well, it's more metaphorical than than, Yeah. yeah. It's fine. A lot of the, a lot of the KJ Parker stuff is just in a weird setting, but like there's not magical stuff. It's just things that happen. And so I think that is a pretty good parallel. Um, I, everybody liked it more than me. Um, I found it. Oh, Aline, are you with me? I found it a grind. It felt very long. It says that it's not that long, but it felt it felt like it was a thousand pages long. It took me three weeks. Like eight hundred. It took me three weeks to grind through it. I didn't enjoy it. Um, it it uh it it it. I appreciated. This is one of those things. Like it is a well written book that I did not enjoy. And when I got to the end, I had the same conversation I occasionally have with myself, which which when I'm trying to rate it on Goodreads, so I remember how I felt about it later. And it's like, well, in terms of quality, it was pretty good at quality, but I didn't enjoy reading it and would not have finished were it not for this podcast. So... Uh, you know, that's that's just how I will it say is. I I know I know we're we're talking rankings in a little bit, and we're not doing uh, some perhaps some of the other books that we've talked about more recently. But I, I think I liked it better than the Unbroken. <laughs> uh, that was a real real mm. battle at the bottom there for me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so the Kindle edition is only four hundred sixteen pages, and that's I don't shocking to it. me. Those I don't know where pages. I got. I don't Fake know where pages. I got eight hundred pages from, <laughs> yeah. but I swear I it saw feels that like eight hundred pages. And I think that says something. Was that my Kobo? Yeah, on the Kobo one, I, I was reading on the Kobo, and it definitely felt long, but I wouldn't have said it was outrageously long. Yeah, I think it was more the feeling of it that I was, I was, I was not eager to go back to it, and it felt like a real grind. And um, you know, well, well done, but not, I think, not the kind of book that I'm looking for. And if what uh, same thing implies, if the wh- way we describe this book appeals to you. Um, you should read Go it because it's, it. it's well done. It's just, again, the, the main character is kind of difficult. There's a lot of this sort of detail of the armies and machinations with which Scott loved, which is great. I, so like, I do. that is, that is your, that is your kind of thing. But, um, you know, well, that, that, that's the difference between me and Scott. You could be, you could be, are <laughs> you like it, Scott? The read the book. If Are, are you not like Scott? Mm-hmm. Then don't <laughs> read it. It's another one of those, the first in a series that feels like a first chapter book to me. Also true. Um, there's and, no, there's literally, literally, it feels like the prologue of another book. Yeah. When you get yeah, to the end. And hmm. my concern with this is that it's going to be, so we read the first book of the Poppy War because it was nominated several years ago. And then none hmm. of the subsequent books were nominated for any awards. So I waited until they were all out. And then I read all three at once. And I was so sad at the end of that series because I invested a lot of time in those three books. And the ending, I just hated. I just, I just, just hated it. Mm. Hated it. And I'm worried that this series is going down the same path as the Poppy War because oh. I think that it is kind of in the same kind of literary tradition that I'm not incredibly familiar well, with maybe this ending is perfect then because it's like haha the, the 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 job is the, the job is done now we'll never say what happens no, next can, yeah oh. um so well, she's she's gonna become emperor yeah 
the end. Like China, because that's what happens. Yes. I felt like that was in some ways a foregone conclusion. And right. like, so I, uh, to my she end, I felt sun. like it's in the title. Right. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I guess maybe I didn't even realize until getting to the end of it. I was like, oh, I guess it's a series. I don't know. I mean, like I could take that mm-hmm. as an ending. It's fine. It yeah. works for me. It's like, oh, and then she went on to conquer the empire and everything was great. You're like, all right, well, and- interesting character study. Yeah. yeah, if there's if there's if the next book is nominated for a Hugo Award, I I will read it. If it's not, I'm not going to. Same way I Same. didn't read any of these sequels to the Poppy War, which Fair I enough. also did not care for. Fair enough. All right. Um we are gonna move on. Uh now I am this is the only podcast I do during a year, I think, where I build a spreadsheet with calculations just for this one episode, which is I'm going to ask everybody to rank the six uh, Hugo nominated novels in order as if the incomparable itself, our book club itself was voting in the Hugos. Um, And so I want everybody to think about that. But did anybody other than me and Erica read any of the short fiction nominees for the Hugos? That's a no. All right. Let's talk. (laughs) I want to, I want to touch on the short fiction of the Hugos. I haven't read them all yet. I will say that. Only to highlight. Well, this is what I'm going to say. We're not going to rank them. I'm not going to make you rank them. Uh, Only to highlight ones that we, that that we think are worth seeking out. I believe all the novelettes and short stories are available. Most of them, at least on on the internet, like as Mm -hmm. a, just on a webpage, uh, the novellas, you may have to buy them. Um, but, uh, they're, they're, they're all fairly available and, and some of them are very short indeed. Erica, Let's start with short stories. Are there any short stories you would particularly like to call out and have people check out? Yes. Uh, and yeah, I'm a little biased because it was in Uncanny Magazine, but Holy Moly, Where our, where Oaken Hearts Do Gather is a fantastic piece of storytelling. It's like about a folk song, but it's entirely told in comments on it, like it, basically it's a genius. webpage. It's its genius page yep. is basically it's, what it is. It, it is notes mm-hmm. in a genius page about song lyrics that tell a story. Sarah Pitzker. It is brilliant. It should not work for me, but it 100% does. Um, I also highly recommend the audio version of The Sin of America by uh, Catherine M. Valente. Uh, It was, uh, I can't remember the Uncanny Magazine podcast episode, but it is read by um, her partner, Heath, who is an amazing, amazing audiobook reader. And uh, he just like knocked it out of the park. And I get chills every time I think about listening to his reading um, of that one. Uh, and then the other uncanny ones, the, the only ones I've read so far are the uncanny ones, uh, uh-huh. is Proof of Induction by uh, Jose Pablo Ariarte. And uh, they that, also did a great job. That was that was my uh, that was my favorite short story was Proof by Induction. Loved it. It is about math and about family and about cheating death, but not really. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really great. I also really like Mr. Death by Alex Harrow. Which is about a <laughs> uh, guy who gets recruited to be a Grim Reaper uh, may not be suited for the job. That's what the short story is all about. And I actually really like Tangles by Shauna McGuire, which is uh, uh, from MagicTheGathering.com. And let me tell you, it reads oh, like fun. something out of a D&D uh, adventure in a good way. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, best novelette is next. And I'm going to I'm going to go before Erica this time because she's going to tell you about all the uh, Uncanny Magazine <laughs> things, I imagine. Yep. That's OK, because uh, I thought that uh, I, I didn't. OK, I didn't like the novelette nominees nearly as much as I liked the short story nominees this year. I just they 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 are they're good, but they're not great. Um, but I liked that story isn't the story by John Wiswell. Um, 
mm-hmm. which is it, it's in the title. It's sort of like you keep thinking what the story is going to be based on genre conventions. And the story is like, no, <laughs> it will not be about that. I like that one a lot. And I, I enjoyed bots of the lost Ark by Suzanne Palmer, which is about a bunch of robots who have to try and oh, save a ship and thaw out a bunch of people who are in hibernation and their other bots think they're people. And like, uh, it's just, it's, there's, there's little, little tiny nanobots doing interesting things on a spaceship. It's really good. And, um, and I actually kind of, um, enjoyed there are a couple others. I'll mention colors, of the immortal palette, uh, by Caroline M. Joachim, which is, um, about uh don't call him a vampire but about about i call him a vampire but he's a vampire uh (laughs) who who is a an artist a famous artist and makes the narrator an immortal person as well and it's about sort of their relationship and about art and about mortality and i thought that was a really uh, that was really well done and then the last one i want to mention is uh oh god l'esprit de l'escalier the spirit of the stairs uh cat, cat i don't know cat valenti <laughs> who uh i'm really hit and miss on and i've always been this way some of her stories she's such a great writer and some of her stories just completely leave me cold and others are good i thought this was pretty good it is uh um about orpheus and eurydice uh sort of and it's uh very good so i like that one too yeah um i colors of the immortal pellet i i i liked it it's uh the you know how i mentioned the music and the uh the mathiness of two of the novels i feel like the paint the art the the painting in this one is like this except it's more in this case it that the art is intrinsically woven into the fabric of this story in a way that the the music and the that's not how painting quite, works. Painting doesn't get woven into fabric. You're thinking of Unseedly <laughs> Brothers Limited, also nominated in this category, which is about uh, dressmaking. Seriously. Yes, that's, of, the th- of the three, uh, that's my favorite one. I loved Unseedly Brothers Limited. It's, uh, I, I like the sort of fairy tale-ish, like, these gowns are enchanted. And if you yeah. are special enough, maybe you can have one of these enchanted gowns, but they maybe aren't going to do exactly what you think and they're going to. And it's a magic to. dress shop that appears in a weird place and then disappears and stuff. Like, there's mm-hmm. all this sort of... Fun kind and of And the main character fun. has a connection to it that they didn't realize mm-hmm. at the beginning and it sort of unspools yeah. as as it goes. Oh. Yeah. As it's it woven. Yeah, yeah. I totally it's woven it into purpose. the fabric of that story. Totally. For sure. Yep. So um, so yeah. I haven't read all of them yet though. So And then have you read any of the novellas? I have. Uh, I think I already mentioned on a previous episode that I read Across the Greengrass Fields. Um, oh, yeah. Sean McGuire. It's I another Wayward Child one. That. It's mm-hmm. good. It's good. That whole yep. series is great. And that's a good that's a good one. Yep. Um, I, I did read A Psalm for the Wild Bill right. by we Becky did an Chambers. And it that talked about uh, that, too. Did we? I don't think we did. I think we I, talked about it in an episode. Maybe. What are we reading kind of thing? Right? I think I didn't because I didn't love it. Oh. Um, it was it was it's very well written. But I just the, the world didn't appeal to me in the same way as mm. as as uh, her other universe did so like yeah. i'll continue to read more uh in that world it's a monk probably, and a robot. But, i like this mm-hmm. and they make tea and they, and make, they tea. make tea yep mm-hmm. uh but i i also read fireheart tiger by elliot de, de Bodard, and uh i i really enjoyed that one it's like in a very cool queer romance with also like a fire demon that pops in and is quirky well, and and it's like uh uh kingdoms uh, mm-hmm. having their their negotiations and the the hostage yeah. who was sent away and has fallen this in is love the kind with of the princess that I do like. Uh, this is the <laughs> like good kind. The, okay, got the it. Royal, also a fire. The demon. royal machinations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 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 what yeah. I'm here for. 
I, <laughs> I wanted to plug my favorite novella of the ones that I've read because I haven't read them all is Elder Race by Adrian <gasps> Tchaikovsky. I'm halfway through it. I read oh. half of it today and it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Very, very good. Again, these are like short little books, novella. It's like mm-hmm. a little novel. Uh, Elder Race is great. I loved it. It blew me away. Um, Tchaikovsky is a really good writer. It's a mm-hmm. story, great story about a... I mean, just the way that it's told about a, a planet that's got people on it who's sort of forgotten where they came from. They were colonists from Earth a long, long, long time ago. And I'm a sucker an, for that. I love it. And there's an archaeologist who, when Earth kind of fell and then came back, it had been so long. So they, they sent archaeologists to study the various cultures on the various planets. But now it's been a long time. So like maybe Earth fell again, but he's still there. But they sort of think he's a god or a wizard. And it toggles between the fantasy tropes of the people understanding what he's doing and the science fiction of us Mm -hmm. understanding the science behind what he's actually doing and going back and forth and it's great and and it has a heart i love it there's a description early on um in one of the chapters that's told from the pov of like the the fantasy perspective and it's clearly describing what's basically like a helicopter but describing it as this great beast with you know spinning blades and and Mm -hmm. teeth and and it's just and then it switches over to the the guy who's the anthropologist and he's just like oh yeah that was a remote control mining blah 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 blah." yeah (laughs) whatever (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good one good stuff um okay it's ranking time where I make everybody choose to rate <laughs> the, the six nominated Hugo novels in order so that only one can come out a winner in our Thunderdome. <laughs> I'm going to let Erica go last because she was just talking about short fiction with me. Aline, alphabetically, you're first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that undercuts the special. You, mm. This never happened in school because my last name starts with an S. Never, yeah. ever happened. I just looked at the A. That's sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you get an I a. think I'm ready. So I think I've got to go with. Um, see, I have it right in front of me, and now I'm second guessing myself. Okay, 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 yep. okay, same, okay, same, same, same. Okay. Um, Galaxy and Ground Within. Um, yep, Becky Chambers. Good stuff. Yep, only because I think I would recommend it more widely than my number two. So like. Uh, I think it has a a much broader appeal, so that's that's okay. why it it wins out. Number two is Light from Uncommon Stars. Okay. Um, number three is why didn't I write down the entire title before I closed Goodreads? Uh, Jin, Master of Jin. Goodness, yep, <laughs> Master of Jin. There we go. <laughs> number four, Desolation Called Peace. Wasn't on the episode about it. Took me a really long time to read it, but it was excellent. So good. Uh, number five, Project Hail Mary. And number six is She Who Became the Sun. All right. Uh, a, B, C, D. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I had a tie for third place that I'm now trying to resolve. Um, but I think I'm just going to do it this way. Uh, in last place for me, and not because I didn't like it. So I didn't read Life from Uncommon Stars. Couldn't get it from the library in time. Right. Didn't have time. Stupid library. Uh, so no, we love libraries. Say, no, no award. We, we do. Uh, she Who Became the Sun is probably in fifth place for me because I enjoyed it, but it just... It didn't. It didn't win me over so much that I wanted it higher. Uh, that above that in fourth place, Master of Jin, because I love the world. Um, 
I edged out Project Project Hail Mary. I think I think it edges it out just slightly because it's fun. Like it really, it was such a page turner, kept me enraptured so much. I think it just edges it out. But those two were very close for me. Uh, I would put a Desolation called Peace at number two, and The Galaxy in the Ground Within is just, it's one of the best books I've read in years. It's so good. I don't think, for me, it's just, I don't think anything else topped mm. it in this list. I'll skip over Erica, because I told her she'd get a break, because she talked about the short <laughs> yeah. fiction. Scott? Uh, I, I will go from last to first, I guess. Uh, last, a, uh, ooh, yes. Uh, a Master of Dijin. Uh, not only can I not pronounce the title correctly, uh, but I didn't think it worked as a mystery and uh, I say pick an ending. Uh, there's like four endings. Come <laughs> okay. on. Uh, Project Hail Mary uh, was fun. Uh, a Light from Uncommon Stars. Uh, she Who Became the Sun, uh, number three. I uh, really enjoyed it. It may be the one that appeals to me most, but I think that the other two are probably better books. Uh, the Galaxy and the Ground Within uh, as number two, because it's just uh, like a, a warm hug, uh, but I don't like hugs all that much. And ah. A Desolation <laughs> Called Peace is number one, just because, uh, you know, it felt like... I was going to say a good old-fashioned science fiction book, but it felt like a new, exciting science fiction book. A good uh, which new is fashion science fiction exactly. book. Exactly. <laughs> the new fashion that the kids are raving about. It's like the the TikTok of the, the Hugo nominees. <laughs> mm, all right. Okay. Uh, that totally made sense. Erica, <laughs> what about you? Uh, I'm starting at the top because then if I need to rearrange things, I can do it more easily. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, I am starting number one, The Galaxy and the Ground Within yep. for the, all the reasons that everybody said. It was so good. Uh, number two for me is A Desolation Called Peace. That was actually pretty close. Like those two are, are not quite tied for me. They're very, very close. Uh, three is Light from Uncommon Stars. Very, very good as we just talked about. I think for number four, I'm going to go with Project Hail Mary and... Before I actually vote, that might come down one because it's real close to a Master of Gin, but I just enjoyed the experience of reading Project Hail Mary so much, um, whereas it was a little tougher for me to get through Master of Gin. And uh, She Who Became the Sun, uh, number six. So Erica's ranking was exactly the same as mine. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Dan. Hi Tony. Hey. Yeah, except she she read one of them that you didn't. Yeah, so. well, you know, oh. I mean, she did all the work. Damn. She's a better person than me. We all know this. Let's not debate. <laughs> Boom. Um, I rank. Uh, we'll go from the bottom. She who became the sun. Uh, then light from uncommon stars. Then master of Jin, Then project hail mary. Uh, and then honestly, draw a line. And then there's the top two, which are the two best books I read in this period. I'm going to put Desolation Called Peace second. And I know that the first book in that uh, series or the first of those two books uh, mm -hmm. was my favorite book of, of the previous year. Um, it's still really good. Um, I was very happy with it. But The Galaxy and the Ground Within, from an, a writer that we, I know we've talked about it several times now, but a writer who we like and we liked her other books in this series. And for her to outdo herself by this much in a book yeah. that does feel like a hug. And I, mm -hmm. I, I have come to like hugs, warm hugs, Scott. Uh, <laughs> Foolish. The, the, I know. Well, I had to be trained, but what I'm better now. What a now. bad time to get into hugs, Jason. I'm better, <laughs> yeah. I'm better now. The Galaxy and the Ground to receive hugs. 
the book hugs you, right? I'm not hugging a book. The book is hugging me with its words. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be I, gross. I sometimes what? hug books. Gross. Uh, so Galaxy Ground Within, uh, I'm going to put number one. And uh, that that means that our uh, consensus rankings are Galaxy and Ground Within, number one, followed by Desolation yes. Called Peace, followed by Light from Uncommon Stars, Project Hail Mary, Master of Jinn and She Who Became the Sun. So that's, uh, we've ranked it. That's, we did what we came here to do. We just place things in an Hooray. order. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that because I think it's exactly me. <laughs> <laughs> with the exception of the book I didn't read. Yeah, that's true. You you and uh, and Erica is uh, you, our winner. The same, Jason. Erica too. is <laughs> our winner for consensus. No, I was not as high on Light from Uncommon Stars, but yes, uh, but Erica and and Dan, other than the book he didn't read, are right at the consensus. So uh, I meant one with the uh, the common incomparable good, light. Good. Uh, well, if, if two people out of five agree, they are the consensus. Yep. <laughs> I guess that's probably true. That's how that works. That's just math. If if we were all reading Project Hail Mary right now. We would know. Oh yeah. Well, math. it's it's simple uh, to translate. I think two out of five languages. of us could uh, pass some bills in the Senate. That's all we really need, oh, right? Say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. That uh, that wraps it up. Everybody, you can read whatever books you want for the next nine months. Congratulations! <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> and we hope that uh, maybe we have made you uh, interested in some other books, some interesting books to read. Uh, but that is going to wrap it up for the the uh, the Hugo and Nebula book club for this year. Thanks to everybody for listening to all three. I assume you listen to all three episodes. And I want to thank my panelists, who many of whom were on all three and some of whom were on two of three. And that's all gay. That's all fine. Aline Sims, thank you for being here. First alphabetically. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I guess I'm doing this in alca- alphabetical order now, Dan. By first name, Dan Moore. And thank you. Woohoo! Less reading books, more writing books again. Yay! Yay! Erica Ensign, thank you. I am going to get a donut. Uh, thanks to myself, because I come before Scott by first name <laughs> alphabetically. <laughs> and thank you to Scott McNulty. I will become Emperor of China eventually. Whoa! Ooh. You heard it wow. here first. Twist. Right. Yeah, Scott, mm-hmm. who will become the sun. Mm-hmm. And thanks to everybody out there for listening uh, once again to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. <laughs>